Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. Now I don't know where you were on January 15th and 16th of 2009, but if you were near a television, if you were near a radio, if you picked up a newspaper, I don't know, if you read Twitter, did they have Twitter back then? Probably. If they had Twitter and you were reading it, you read about the miracle on the Hudson. That was a plane leaving LaGuardia. In fact, if we want to be specific, U.S. Airways Flight 1549, leaving LaGuardia in New York, making a routine flight when a bird strike disabled both their engines. In 208 seconds, the captain, Captain Sully Sullenberger, had to make some decisions that would ensure the safety of the 154 people on board that plane. And instead of turning back to New Jersey, instead of going over to LaGuardia, where he started from, he felt that his only course of action was to land the plane on the Hudson River. He does this. Keep in mind, 208 seconds, under four minutes, he has to decide the fate of 154 people. He lands on the Hudson, it is called a miracle. There was some controversy afterwards. That controversy has been turned into a movie called Sully, starring Tom Hanks as Sullenberger, directed by Clint Eastwood. I got to sit down and talk to Sully Sullenberger. And I'll tell you, the night before that we did the sit-down interview that you're about to hear, I introduced him at a screening of Sully at a theater that had about 650 or 700 seats packed jam-packed just to see the film. Nobody knew that he was going to be there. I come out, hey everybody, I'm Richard Krauss. There was a humble smattering of applause, nothing big. And then I said, please help me welcome a retired airline captain and aviation safety consultant. He was hailed as a national hero and I went on and on and on. People started to get a little bit more excited. And then I said, Sully Sullenberger, everybody. And he came out and the place leapt to their feet. Everyone in the audience stood up, they cheered, they applauded. I've hosted hundreds of these things with very big stars. And that's the first time that I've seen that kind of reaction uh, for someone who wasn't George Clooney. Uh, it was heartwarming to see it. He is a hero. He has a hero's being. He is a tall man. He's a dignified guy. He speaks as though he should be a radio announcer. He spent 42 years in the air. I say he should have spent 42 years on the air. Anyway, you're about to hear the voice. You're about to hear the story. Uh, you're about to hear Chesley Sully Sullenberger III talk about what it's like to make a decision that's going to change the rest of your life and potentially the rest of the lives of people sitting behind you. 154 people sitting behind you. It's an incredible story. Here's Sully Sullenberger. When you get on an airplane, do you get treated differently than other passengers? If I'm recognized, I do. And the most interesting thing about it is that other passengers often tell me, oh, I feel so much safer now that you're on the airplane with us. I'm not quite sure why they do, but I'm just glad that they do. And when you go to the movies... And you, there are airplane scenes. Are you able to watch them without being critical? Are you able to watch them just as entertainment? Because they're probably not 100% accurate. No, 
<laughs> I, I think like most professional pilots, I notice when things don't seem like they're quite accurate. Do you have any particular favorites in terms of films that do portray what you've spent your life doing accurately and in a way that you would approve of? You know, nothing comes to mind that way. I do have some favorite films about aviation that I watched when I was a kid, very young, just because they were so engaging. You know, a couple come to mind, you know, way back in 1954, one called The Bridges at Toko Ri. is a favorite of mine, among a few others. And would you say that in some way that they may have inspired your love of aviation, going to the movies and seeing it on the big screen and it's bigger than life and it looks so exciting? I think I always had that love. It was almost innate, but you know, they certainly fueled the fire. And when you first started flying, do you remember the first flight? We see hints of it in the film, but what was it about it when you first went up and you were in control of it? Is it the control that you liked? Is it the freedom? There's a line in the film that says, uh, life is easier in the air. Uh, what, what was it? All those things. I vividly remember my first flight, um, and it was a sense of freedom. I mean, literally climbing a few thousand feet above the earth you know, releases you from the bounds of earth. You have a, a literally different perspective of the world the higher you climb. Uh, all our everyday concerns seem more pedestrian and farther away. Uh, you, you have a certain mastery of the craft. Uh, and of the profession and when you when you can learn to do it well and it it's a sense of real satisfaction to be able to be particularly good at, at something that's difficult to do well does the sense of wonder ever go away after 42 years did you still feel it oh i still feel it and i i'm still one of those people who wants to keep my window shade open and not close it like most people do i, I love seeing the earth below us day and and the sky at night now, when they were filming the scenes, the, the centerpiece of this film is the, the ditching scene. Well, we don't call it an air crash. What do we call this? It's a forced landing on water. Forced landing on water. Fact, there was a debate among the NTSB members about whether or not it was a ditching. And they ultimately decided to call it a ditching. But one member uh, dissented and said, no, it was a forced landing on water. And I tend to agree with him. It is the centerpiece of the film. We see it in great detail. It's exciting. Passengers on this big metal tube, the brace for impact being chanted over and over again. I mean, it puts you in the, the, the moment of it. Were you on set when they shot that, or did you know what it was going to look like? And when you watch it now, how does it make you feel? I was only on set for a couple of days, and I watched uh, one of the days of filming when they had the actual Airbus A320 that they had taken from storage in the desert and put it in an artificial lake on the back lot at Universal Studios in Southern California and filmed some of the rescue scenes. After they'd filmed some uh, scenes on the Hudson River itself, that was amazing to see. And of course, watching the film, especially in the IMAX format, makes you feel like you're on that flight with us. Uh, the sound is amazing, the visuals are incredible, uh, and the real photography as well as the special effects uh, are just uh, amazing to see. So the film, the plane that we see in the film, is that the real, no, you said that you took it out of storage, is that the actual plane? No, it's not. It's not the plane that we flew for that flight. That's in a museum at the Charlotte, North Carolina airport. It's on display to the public. 
but it was a real A320 that had previously been used by the airline and was put in desert storage and then trucked to uh, the, the back lot at Universal to film that rescue scene. And they had a second airplane that they purchased from storage in the desert that they used for the interior cockpit scenes on the soundstage. Now, how does it make you feel, though, when you watch it? We talk about the, the artistry of bringing it to life, but does it bring you back in the moment, or does it feel like a very long time ago, or does it feel like you're, you're right there and in it? You know, it's a combination of those. I, I, enough time has passed, and I've had enough time to process this and sort of you know, make it a part of me and not something that just happened to me, that I don't have quite the same emotions I felt during that day, that flight, but the very first time I saw this film with my family, it was a very emotional experience for all of us. The second time I watched the film, I was able to take it in more as a, a usual movie-going experience and see some of the things I wasn't able to take in the first time. It's funny how you can kind of divorce yourself from it, I guess, and just take it in as what it's meant to be, which is an entertainment. But it is uh, almost a, a weird experience to see someone else on screen portraying you and speaking words that you actually spoke to, to others, you know. Did you spend time with Tom Hanks to, you know, teach him vocal inflections, to teach you how to behave like a pilot, any of those things? Well, I certainly didn't give him any coaching on his acting crap. That's, that's his to do, and he did it amazingly well. I did spend about half a day with him right after he was cast. He came to our home in Northern California, and we talked about... Uh, what it's like to play a real person still living like he had done with Captain James Lovell of Apollo 13 and others. And we talked in some detail about the script and about the obligation he felt to get it right because after the film was completed, I would still be going back to living my life and I would have to live with however he portrayed me on screen. Um, but I think he did a masterful job. No, I, I didn't coach him about how I behave or how I walk or how I talk, but he told me he had watched a lot of videotape of me and. and and derived his performance from that. We did talk about some particulars about the script, and, and I did have a chance to get him and Aaron Eckhart and Clint Eastwood in an airline flight simulator for a day and have them go through some of our protocols, reading the checklist, you know, doing some flying maneuvers, including replicating the engine loss and the descent toward the river, and help them learn how pilots work together in the cockpit and how they talk to each other and how to make it look real on screen, which they did a great job of doing. It, it does feel immediate. It feels when everything starts to go south. Uh, it does feel immediate. And you can see there's a, a, there's a moment in Tom Hanks' performance where he steals himself for what is to come. And, and I thought that was a, it's a small thing, but it's a, it's a really lovely moment, I think, in the film that, that sort of sets up what, what comes next. Uh, part of the film is about uh, adding the human element into these computer simulators won't give anything away and talk any more about it than that. But afterwards I was thinking we're heading towards things like self-driving cars, that sort of thing. Wonder what your thoughts are on that or if you have any. Well, I think average driver performance is so bad that, that the technology has a future in at least helping us. Of course, just as in aviation, if we completely automate a process, then it becomes much more difficult for the human operator to remain engaged and aware and being able to quickly intervene if they need to. If, if something is completely automated, we almost have to assume that it will not be possible for a human to intervene in a sudden crisis. So I think 
certainly in aviation for the foreseeable future. We're going to have human pilots, and we, we need to make them the doers, but have the technology assist us. Well, there's, isn't there a line in the film where you say, Captain taking over, or I, I can't remember exactly what the line is, but it, it, it struck me that you are then taking absolute control of, of the craft. And is it that point, is it on automatic pilot at that point, and you are uh, guiding it only peripherally because the computer's doing the job, or am I completely off base on that? Well, you, there's no way you would know unless you had read the NTSB final report on the flight or you'd been there. Now, it was Jeff Skiles' turn to fly, and, and he had just taken off from LaGuardia. He was manually controlling the airplane. But at that point, because of the severity of this crisis and my, my having had more experience in that particular type of airplane, I chose to take command of the airplane. And I said, my aircraft. And even in that crisis, he responded verbatim with the rest of that important transfer of aircraft control protocol by saying your aircraft and by doing so we had established our roles as pilot flying and pilot monitoring and so i began to manually fly the airplane and he began to assist me in analyzing the situation and beginning to take remedial action in the film there are uh, a couple of moments where tom hanks as as you seems to have a, a, a crisis did i do the right thing did i do the right thing clearly science and everything else has borne you out to have done the right thing. And 155 people are alive today that might not have been. Uh, was there a, a crisis? Did you find uh, yourself second-guessing yourself afterwards? Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, from having talked to others in similar emergencies, uh, that's just human nature. That's, that's how our minds react to this trauma. And that lasted for many months until the investigators had analyzed all the evidence, had talked to everyone involved, and they had officially determined that we had made the best choice at every juncture. We didn't know what the ultimate outcome was going to be, and our professional reputations absolutely were on the line. It was a great weight to feel and to carry for that time. These water landings are very dangerous. As you were doing it, as it was happening, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, clearly we know what you hoped would happen, but realistically, what did you think might happen? In the first seconds, I knew that this was going to be the most extreme crisis I'd ever faced in my life, the most challenging I would ever have felt in an airplane. But even at the outset, uh, in spite of how shocking this sudden event was, I was confident I could find a way to solve even this problem, one we'd never specifically trained for or even anticipated, based on my, on my experience. I just didn't know at the outset what I was going to have to do every step of the way. I, so I began to solve the problems in a very step-by-step -step process with our first officer, Jeff Skiles, all these until I finally solved them all. I was confident I could find a way to deliver the airplane to the surface intact. And if I did that, then it would float long enough for us to be rescued. Hitting the water at that speed and from that altitude as you're coming down, it's almost like hitting a sheet of cement, though, isn't it? Well, anyone who's ever been water skiing and fallen going very fast know how, knows how hard it is when, it, when you hit the water. And we were traveling about 150 miles per hour. And so just touching the water where the airplane began to damage the, the bottom back part of it where we first hit the water. It's an incredible story. Afterwards, uh, the, the uh, press were camped outside your home. We see that in the film. They were, you were on the David Letterman show. Uh, was the the uh, 
transference from private life to having a very public life. Was that difficult for you? We, my family and I, think of this story in, in two phases. There, there was the, the trauma of that flight itself, and then the trauma of suddenly becoming a world-recognized public figure. Uh, yeah, once my name had been discovered by the press, the, the onslaught was a tsunami of attention that happened very quickly. Within a few months, we had received 50,000 communications, emails, letters, requests. Um, you know, the press was camped outside our house for 10 days. Um, it was just overwhelming. So it very quickly required us to learn a new way of living this life as public figures. And we had to become more complete versions of ourselves to be able to do that. That's it. Another short show. But where do you go from an American hero like Captain Sully Sullenberger? There's nowhere to go. You know what we do? We take a week off. Come back next Monday. We put up a new show here at the House of Krauss every single Monday. You never know who's going to stop by for a visit. Could be one of your favorite people. Could be someone that you've been wanting to hear from for years, just like Captain Sully Sullenberger. So stop by next week, next Monday. There'll be a new show up. And in the meantime, tell your friends about the House of Krauss.